Welcome to the No More Late Feast podcast. I'm Jackie. And I'm Danielle. And we're just two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees re-watching some of the best and worst movies from the late 90s and early 2000s. This week, we are talking about the 1997 drama Ease Bayou with our TikTok mutual and decom stan, Anjali. Hi. Hi, guys. (laughs) (laughs) If you'd like to know a little bit more about Anjali, press pause and go check out our bonus episode with her as we go through some questions and get to know her. If you have, let's keep going. Well, before we dive into the movie, let's get into some housekeeping one day we'll get it right guys. one day <laughs> someone said why don't you just add housekeeping because we like fucking with you guys every episode <laughs> and we're trying not to use copyrighted material as much as possible <laughs> if you love the podcast and you want to support us here are a few ways you can you can write us a review. Did you know writing a review and or rating us helps us get more listeners? So if you want to be featured on the podcast and help us grow, head to Apple, Spotify, Podchasers, Good Pods, or your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. And when you are on your favorite podcast platform to listen to us, make sure you're subscribed to the show because if you miss an episode, no worries, it'll save it for you and you can go back and listen later. It also very much helps us. So subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) And then if you want to uh, declare your love of No More Late Feast to the world, head to nomorelatefeast.redbubble.com and pick up some sweet, sweet merch. We have apparel, we have home goods, we have luggage, anything you would want with our (laughs) logo on it. (laughs) we put that logo on everything we do (laughs) (laughs) well let's let's talk about the movie the give you a quick synopsis over the course of a long hot louisiana summer a 10 year old girl eve batiste 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 did i say batiste batiste eve batiste discovers that her family's affluent existence is merely a facade the philandering of her suave doctor father, Louis, creates a rift throughout throwing Eve's mother, Roz, and teenage sister, t- and teenage sister, I can read, Sicily, into emotional turmoil. Eve, though, manages to find some solace with her quirky psychic aunt, Mos- Moselle. I copied and pasted from IMDb. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I just don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to mess up names. Like I listened yeah. to them in the movie, but like I'm horrible with pronunciations <laughs> and this is for the culture and I don't want to mess up. Well, and I, I mean, Creole is very, it's a very nuanced dialect. Mm-hmm. So, yes. well, the movie stars Samuel L. Jackson, Journey Smollett, Megan Good, Lynn Whitfield, Debbie Morgan, Jake Smollett, Ethel Eiler, Diane Carroll, Von D. Curtis Hall, Roger Gwenbur Smith, sorry if I said your name wrong, and Lisa Nicole Carson. Shout out to Allie McBeal because I think that was the first time that I like discovered who Lisa Nicole Carson was and her amazing voice. Not sure what happened to her career. I have to do a dig Google, do a digging, a Google dive. Oh, words. (laughs) 
<laughs> the movie was written and directed by Cassie Lemons, and you can watch it on Paramount Plus. And it's also on Pluto. That's where I watched it. But before we start, let's get into our ratings rewind. So you know the drill. Before we get into the movie, we'll reveal the rating our Y2K versions of ourselves would give. Then at the end, we'll see if our current selves agree with our initial rating. Our scale consists of would buy it, would buy it again. The best would play on repeat. Five-day rental. Would watch again. Two-day rental. Okay, but nothing to write home about. And same-day rental. Just absolute trash. I was going <laughs> to try to think of something from new, like a New Orleans saying, but it didn't come to me. So <laughs> say, maybe I'll call it Gator Trash. We'll start with you. What is your What was your Y2K rating of this movie? I feel like my Y2K rating was two-day rental because I didn't get it. Yeah. Like a lot of the movie that I didn't get to see because my parents had their their hands over my eyes. So I just didn't get it. A hundred percent. Jackie? I have actually never seen this movie prior to today. I would say it was a five-day rental for me when I watched it, mainly because I just was like, okay, again, I always bring in my soap opera stories, but Debbie Morgan is a pioneer mm-hmm. when it comes to just acting in general, but a hundred percent when it comes to soap operas, she was part of the very first black super couple on all my children. And so like watching this as a child, she was already familiar to me, you know, and then just being able to see a movie with a little black girl, I could just feel that vibe, mm-hmm. you know, you know, not just one, but multiple black children in this movie. I didn't know exactly what was going on per se. And it almost changed how I felt about Samuel L. Jackson, because I just thought of him as like such a huge villain in this movie. And I, I don't think I got the movie as a child, but I do remember liking it a lot, just relatability and Diane Carroll as a voodoo witch was everything. And Debbie Morgan having like, just the fact that there was just so many kind of cool witchy spiritual things that I feel like I could say, oh, wow, my community has that too, was Mm -hmm. just really something I was in awe of. So yeah, five day for me. And the cast in this movie, and we're going to go into the the numbers, but we just have to talk about Cassie Lemons for a second. So Cassie Lemons, if you don't know, she is a Black director and female Black directors are, you know, especially at that time, far and in between, like rare. She not only directed the movie, she wrote the movie and Samuel Jackson actually was a producer on the movie as well. She started off as an actress. So if you've ever seen Candyman, She's in that one. She's also in Silence of the Lambs. She plays Jodie Foster's best friend in that movie. On that alone, she's an icon, a mm-hmm. horror movie horror movie icon. And then she went and did this masterpiece. She's gone on to direct other movies. Most recently, she did the movie Harriet that came out and it's her highest grossing movie so far. So yeah, she just, she paved the way for so many other female directors, but especially Black directors and women of color. She's 
just pivotal in the arts. She does so many other things beyond just acting and directing. I could write a love letter to her. If I ever got to meet her in real life, I probably would pass out. She is amazing. And obviously Journey, watching her career, being able to like see her in as a child actor. And she was just so freaking gifted. Mm -hmm. If you don't know, and if you weren't like a 90s kid and you didn't see her on everything, know that her and her siblings, because she has a ton, I know we know about one, I'm not going to even go into that because we don't need to, but she has many siblings and they had a TV show for a little bit where all of them were in it. Her younger brother, Jake, is actually in this movie. I love their red hair because that, Mm -hmm. for me growing up, my brothers and I had like a tinge of like red blondish hair in the sun. So I was like, oh, I I remember saying that to my dad. I was like, look, she's got, you know, similar color. Mm -hmm. Then we have a young Megan Good in the movie who obviously... I love that her and Journey actually ended up being in Roll Bounce together later on. Mm-hmm. Diane Carroll. I I could do a whole episode just by myself talking about this amazing dynamic woman. She didn't play. She was everything. First of all, just go back to the 80s. If you haven't watched any old episodes of Dynasty, you should, because Diane Carroll, before even she got on Dynasty, had an amazing career as a singer, as an actress, the late night, late night show route, and like even Frank Sinatra, like there's some old school clips you can find of Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, like literally almost fighting each other, trying to just like grope her on national tv Mm -hmm. i was like actually this is giving me some cringe vibes but she was she's amazingly beautiful like gorgeous but so talented with her singing but dynasty took her to like a whole new level because it was like the first time that we got to really see a black woman play a character where she was extremely rich and she was slapping white bitches left and right and we (laughs) stand that all day <laughs> you know when we talk about equal equal equality yep. she was fighting for equality that black people can get into with the slapping on these soap operas and she killed it she oh I love watching old clips on her of her on dynasty she was freaking amazing mm-hmm. and I also loved her on white collar she was that was like probably the last thing I saw her do Oh, love Diane Carroll. Okay, I'm done like fangirling out. <laughs> I just wanted to, you know, really make sure people understood. And Ethel, Ethel Ayler, amazing. She's been in so much stuff too. Like every damn person on here <laughs> can't. Why don't you tell us about the box office? Yes, I'm going, I'm going. The budget for this movie was $6 million and it made worldwide $14.8 million and opening weekend, it made $3 million. So it made half of its budget back opening weekend. So this movie did amazingly well, mm-hmm. considering it was a small indie film. Mm-hmm. Our boy Little Raj, as our girls at Roll Call will call him, he gave it four stars and named it the best movie of the year 
It's what catapulted it from obscurity to critical darling and box office hit that year. Um, Ebert gave it the following rave review. Ease by you resonates in the memory. It called me back for a second and third viewing. If it's not nominated for an Academy Award, then the Academy is not paying attention. For the viewer, it is a reminder that sometimes films can venture into the realms of poetry and dreams. Journey actually received critical acclaim and a Critics Choice Award for playing Eve. I don't believe it was nominated for an Oscar. No, at it all. was not. It earned 17 nominations and win and won 12 from various different film groups and being named the best movie of the year by Roger Ebert, it received zero Academy Award nominations. And I'm not surprised because I do want to say this. This is one of those rare Black movies where it is a time period piece, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't center around the typical Black trauma. I mean, there is drama in this movie and it doesn't center around whiteness. It doesn't center around the oppression of being around whiteness. It is literally telling about a family. It's, it it does start off where it talks a little bit about slavery, essentially, Mm -hmm. but it, from there on, it's just centered about this family, their affluence, their livelihood and what happens in their community. And that's it. Like, I wish we could get more movies like this. It does not have to be rooted in the fact that we're oppressed because Black people live everyday lives and have history like this Mm -hmm. of their families and the history of the roots of where they come from without it having to be kind of mucky, I guess you could Mm -hmm. say. But yeah, this was, I don't even know what got nominated for Academy that year, but disappointing. So kicking it off where we start. So the movie is narrated by Eve, who is played by Journey. And Eve starts off by telling the story of one of her ancestors, who the area in which they live is actually named after her. And that the land was given to them by their other ancestor, who actually happens to be a slave owner essentially. And so it's gone down in her family of being passed down to have this piece of land in Louisiana. And she starts it off by saying, this is the summer I killed my daddy. And boom, tell me a better start to a movie that doesn't, (laughs) that doesn't hook you. Like what you mean, little girl, you killed your daddy. (laughs) And also tell me more. Then when we open the scene, we see that it's taking place. You could tell by the clothes right away that Mm -hmm. it's a period piece and we are watching a party happen. A fun ass party at that. It was 1962 was when the movie took place. And so we meet Eve who she's named after her ancestor and she's having like a conversation with her mom. Now, when I was little, I never noticed that Eve has middle child syndrome real bad. A hundred percent. Oh yeah. (laughs) Cause like she is trying to give chocolates away. You meet her uncle who calls her red, Mm -hmm. which is very common in the black community for, I'm not sure if he called her red because of her hair, but 
it's also red for red bones. So mm-hmm. nod to that. So her uncle, you know, showed her some favor and her mom was there. But then as soon as her little brother walks in, it's on. It's on. <laughs> because again, the whole movie is from her lens. And mm-hmm. you see her mom pick up her brother, love on him, dote on him. And like her eyes turn green with envy. She's ready to ravage him a hundred percent. And so then what does she do? She tortures her brother, of course. She feeds him chocolate covered bees. <laughs> RIP for the bees that that was not good (laughs) but yeah they go chasing each other and then we're taken into another room and we see a a woman I guess they're shaping her up to be the town floozy they're already giving us information Mm -hmm. that she's open for business Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess you could say and so she's dancing with this guy and people are talking shit and whispering love I love the grandma just (laughs) sitting and just like, "Mm." what'd you say, Anjali? (laughs) It's Gramir. Gramir. I, I, okay, so what was so interesting to me is watching this movie is like, it's so classless. Like without even saying it, you're pretty much saying that Maddie Moreau is classless because Mm -hmm. it's one thing to dance on a man that's do your own thing whatever right. but to do it in front of your elders yeah regardless if that's family or not you are shaking your butt in front of a grown like 70 80 year old woman mm-hmm. and expecting nothing to happen like girl you know they're talking about you <laughs> even if you yeah. are the nicest sweetest lady in the town as soon as you shake your butt in someone's face there's going to be something said yes yes I love how we get an introduction to Samuel Jackson's character mm-hmm. who plays the dad Lewis he comes in and now he's dancing with the hussy Mm. Um, and he's got moves his mom is just like I love my son (laughs) and we get some (laughs) we get some background as women are whispering that and talking to his mom that he's a doctor Mm -hmm. he's the cat's meow in their little community and he is getting down with the dancing and his wife comes in and at that point I I was thinking that like maybe she would give a side eye mm-hmm. or something but she does, she's like oh Lewis being Lewis yeah she's just <laughs> happy as pie just so happy and doesn't think it's a problem so I was like all right so I guess it's fine he's dancing with the hussy Roz doesn't have a problem with it shout out to Lynn Winfield by the way just aging like a fine wine mm-hmm. it's Such interesting actress when you say it's from the lens of eve because if we're to assume that this well this movie is being told from her perspective so maybe mom was really side-eyeing and eve just didn't pick up on that yeah so it was just dad being the life of the party because he was always life of the party it's very true. So I think that's such a good point because in the beginning of this movie, as children, we put our parents up on pedestals. Mm-hmm. And because we don't really know the nuance and the things that are happening, we don't remember things in the same way. And mm-hmm. it's very interesting how the characters develop as Eve starts to learn things throughout the movie. 
and yes. how she is able to then view her parents. Mm-hmm. You know, her mom was very cheery and loving and just like perfect, almost to the point where no one can be this perfect mm-hmm. kind of feel. And the dad was like smooth and charismatic and everyone loved him. But the thing I did notice was that when he was dancing with Maddie, Lenny, the guy who she was dancing with before, you could see him on the side looking really perturbed and jealous. Mm-hmm. So I was interested about that because then would Eve have noticed that? Mm. So I don't know. And then later on when like- I think she did because I think later on she used it to her advantage. Okay. You're right. That's true. And then Harry, who played her uncle, later on you hear him talking shit about Lewis. So you start to realize that a lot of people don't think Lewis- Lewis ancient that's mm. how they look at mm-hmm. him and then we get <laughs> and then we get Cicely who comes in and her dad wants to dance with her and she's just like very prissy and quoting Shakespeare ancient. yeah well <laughs> before she dances with her dad you could tell like she how she kind of pulls rank with her brother and sister acting mm-hmm. up and sit, you know mm-hmm. but it's not just like an older sister that's kind of like mean but she's playful with them to like hand out champagne, but you could tell she's very much a people pleaser Mm. and she love her some daddy. And then they dance together and here comes the uh, green envy monster again, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because Eve loses her shit. Mm -hmm. But I, as a middle child, like the mom has her boy and her dad has the oldest sister and she's like, fuck this place. Her uncle loves her to death, though. And her aunt, auntie, I think, like, yeah, she was probably the favorite of Moselle's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what does she do? She has a tantrum and runs off to, like, their carriage house or garage or area. Mm-hmm. And she falls asleep. And then she's awoken by some big bang bang. I would be traumatized myself if this happened to me traumatized so she is awoken because her daddy is literally dick deep into (laughs) miss maddie yeah i said it but it's the truth it's true (laughs) well i i always i don't know if this is a term in film i know it definitely is in theater but a memory play and how you know a story is told basically from somebody's memory and you know one of the first lines in this film is that like memory is all kind of dependent on what you see mm-hmm. and that it changes based on time so you know the things that we're being told from Eve's perspective might not be exactly what happened but it's what she claims to remember of this time right and, you know she's narrating this as her older self but we don't know how old her older self is so this could be you know, 20, 30, 40 years from the 1962 time period of this film. And so, you know, I always like, when I think about this particular scene, how Eve handles it or is seemingly handling it in the midst of it might not be exactly what happened. But Mm -hmm. the fact that she sees this happening kind of pause and then she has essentially a panic attack about- seeing her dad with this other woman 
And it's, I feel like it would definitely be something where she freezes when she sees this. Cause she's like, I don't, I don't know if what I'm seeing is real. It's also a kind of dark. So I could be making this up in my head, but then she has a panic attack. And the thing that really affects me about this scene is like, after she has the panic attack and her dad calms her down, she apologizes mm-hmm. to Maddie and her dad for scaring them. And I'm like, no, this is not on you. The onus is not on you. This right. is not a mistake of you, but it's very much a stay in a child's place kind of mindset. Yeah. Right. A lot of adults are like, children should be seen and not heard. Therefore, anything that you see, don't speak about. Yep. Yeah. And in this scene, Maddie's like trying to get dressed really quickly mm-hmm. and the dad quickly turns on the charm and mm-hmm. he grabs her and he hugs her and he pretty much tries to make it seem like she didn't hear or see what she did. Mm-hmm. And all like, while love bombing her, like, yes. you know, daddy loves you, you mm-hmm. love daddy, right? Like it's all very manipulative mm-hmm. to get her to keep her mouth shut. And as soon as that happened, he tells what's her fate, Maddie, to like go get him, make him a drink, and she mm-hmm. leaves. And then when he takes Eve outside, like he's trying to get her back to the house, he like sits down with her and pretty much just says, you know, ask her if she's okay. And she asks if he loves her mom. And he says, of course, I love her. And it seems like everything's good. Mm-hmm. I almost believe that Eve ha- did not see anything in the way yeah. in which, you know, but she knows enough to not show that she's perturbed because I guess she's still trying to please her dad in a way. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if she was scared, if she didn't believe what she saw or what, but once her mom finally comes out, and notices immediately something is wrong, even though she's not crying and she's calm, but the dad like plays it off. And the mom is just, again, so in love. She can't see anything apparently. Mm-hmm. And uh, then when Eve goes upstairs, she's trying to put on her pajamas and she can't stop crying. And her sister, of course, is like, what's going on? What's wrong? And when she tries, and this is so traumatic, like I felt trauma from the Mm -hmm. fact that anytime a child tries to tell someone that they find safe or something, and then it's not validated that. Yeah. So Eve tries to tell her exactly what happened with, with Maddie and her dad and Cicely is like, she loses her shit. She's like, that didn't happen. She straight up gaslights her. Yes. Like tells her an alternative story Mm -hmm. and that her memories are wrong. (laughs) She like sits her down. She's like, let me paint you a story. This is what really (laughs) happened. I was no, I was not there. And with the magic aspect of, of this film, you know, so there's uh, on the internet, there's kind of like this debate about whether anybody in this family actually has any magical abilities outside of Moselle, obviously, Mm -hmm. because, you know, later on in the film, spoiler, you know, a vision of Moselle's comes true. So you kind of know that Moselle has powers and typically it happens in a family line. It's very rare that like one person in a family has magical abilities and the others don't. But so then you start to consider, okay, so if it runs in the family, is there the potential that every woman in the family who's born of Betty's blood has a magical ability? And if so, does Cicely know that she potentially has a magical ability and therefore she's using her magical ability to like 
put visions in someone's head to change Eve's perception of what happened. Mm-hmm. Because if that's the case, if Cecily can change someone's perception of what might have happened and change their memories, has she been manipulating people up to this point using her abilities? And I wonder if it means that if her sister, if Eve has this, you know, different abilities, but also mm-hmm. magic, if she actually can even be manipulated. Right. Because it doesn't really take her off course. She does not believe mm-hmm. the vision that Cicely sells her. Mm-hmm. And she she actually questions a lot of what Cicely says throughout the movie. Yep. So it that that's pretty interesting. And also we I think we see that maybe Eve might even have Moselle's gift as well, or the mm-hmm. same gift as Moselle, because when she goes to bed that night, she dreams of a black widow spider mm-hmm. and a like crash or she sees rain or whatever. Now before that happens, Moselle and her husband Henry are leaving the party but Henry is wasted Mm -hmm. and so is Lewis so Roz is like trying to keep everything calm and Moselle has no time for none of this shit the way she talks to Harry in this movie that man ain't shit no she talks she's like at all from the first time that we meet him she said put down the damn camera and I was like yep she's in charge (laughs) she is in charge so we like at first we don't really get a whole bunch of details as to like really what happened but he's dead he did mm-hmm. the next scene like after eve has the dream which alludes because you see three do we see the other men in her dream no that's okay i i'm mixing something up <laughs> so sorry the next scene is eve putting flowers on three different graves um, yeah and it you could tell right away it's louisiana just the way mm-hmm. that the the graves look and <laughs> she's saying i love you uncle i love you uncle i love you i was like what the fuck mm-hmm. but I, I i was like because at first i was like oh she's just going to like her family plot and just like <laughs> grandma's grandpa's you know <clears throat> And then it, I was like, hold on. Did she say Harry? Yep. What's happening? Like I rewound it. Cause I'm like, did I miss something? Did I like fall asleep? What's happening? And then she shows up at Auntie Moselle's house and mm-hmm. she's in mourning. Doesn't want to get out of bed. I love, I, you know, I love the whole net thing that she has. I mean, mm-hmm. which is very accurate because, you know, I'm, guessing they didn't have air conditioning at that time Mm -hmm. and they probably have a bunch of bugs and it was like the safest way to sleep at night but also just wonderful for morning so yeah she goes to go wake up her aunt the next morning I and we don't I'm guessing that it's been some time we must have had a funeral and everything because I I doubt he died he got a a casket and everything that quickly so some time has gone by since the party and she's telling she's telling her aunt that there is a client. She's a client, mm-hmm. so we don't know exactly what she does yet. But mm-hmm. we, she's she has clients, and then they get up and they're having a conversation. And she's in the mirror and she talks about how she's loved them all. And you can see all three of her ex husbands. Yep. And so 
my question is, is she just cursed because she has the gift she's never really going to be able to keep a husband why they keep or the black widow metaphor does that mean that she was wishing for them to be dead like what what was going on there anybody I feel like she was cursed you know you think about okay so this is where my conspiracy theories kind of come into play so Eve has a namesake right in the beginning of the film Eve talks about how there was a slave Eve who saved the life of Jean-Paul Baptiste they are her ancestors and how Jean-Paul got really deathly ill and Eve saved him with magic essentially that's what she's saying that Eve saved Jean-Paul Baptiste with magic and in return for Eve saving his life he frees her as a slave and then in return for her being freed she bears him either 12 or 16 children I'm not sure exactly what the number is but if you start thinking about death as an entity rather than an experience Jean-Paul Baptiste cheated death due Mm -hmm. to Eve right so then you have to think about okay if death is an entity this was a stolen soul from death so mm-hmm. in return, you have to give death a soul to in return for the soul that you took from death. So it wasn't going to be the soul of Eve. It's going to be this the soul of, or it's not going to be the soul of Eve's namesake. It's going to be the soul of Eve, the little girl. So someone in her life had to die to, to, to replace the soul of her ancestor, right? So then is the, the death that it is, is in return, is it the uncle or is it the father? right? It's going to be a man. It has to be a man because you took Mm -hmm. the soul of a man. So then, you know, is it the curse of the Baptiste family that men in the family have to die in -hmm. return for the soul of Jean-Paul Baptiste? Do the men not survive? Because other than Louis and the uncles and Poe, there is no other men in the Baptiste family. It's a lot of women, right? Mm-hmm. Grandier's yeah. in the movie, Moselle's in the movie, the mom, Ross, who's married into the family. And then you have two daughters, Cecily and Eve. So maybe it's a curse on the men who are born into or married into the Baptiste family. Like the Kardashian curse. Right, right. <laughs> so like, I think that is part of the curse that she is a black widow. Like she is doomed mm-hmm. to be a widow. Yeah that every man that comes into her life is going to pass away damn yeah (laughs) with great power comes great loss Mm -hmm. i'll say that this next scene is one of my favorites she has moselle has a scene where she kind of displays her psychic abilities so she always calls herself a psychic healer which i think is interesting because her brother is a physical healer she Mm -hmm. heals the mental her brother heals the physical right Mm -hmm. I always think that's a really interesting like dynamic between men and women because female doctors weren't really like a big thing in the 60s especially black female doctors so any type of healing usually came from the mental side of things when it came to women so she displays her psychic abilities and you don't necessarily know if it's real like you obviously see Moselle having these visions of her clients coming in and saying I have a question about this person can you tell me about this person right she has these visions but everyone's skeptical until they themselves go to a psychic a psychic healer anybody like that I um, I also think it's just like really cool that you said the, the dynamics of the spiritual and the physical because mm-hmm. there are literal stories that women are the like psychic spiritual 
leader while and men were created to be the physical protector Mm -hmm. of that and yeah so that speaks to that very much (laughs) yeah I'm I'm very much like the analytical where I'm like everything means something yeah throw things into movies for random reasons and if they do yeah do better oh you know, and then I believe she has two clients and then there's another client that comes in and says, you know, Moselle says to her, your niece has taken all of your money. And then you see the voodoo kind of come in, which mm-hmm. everyone always has the assumption if it's centered around Louisiana, there's going to be voodoo involved somewhere, right? right? It's the voodoo capital of the world, which people have a negative, you know, connotation when it comes to voodoo, but voodoo isn't necessarily evil. You can obviously do evil with voodoo, but right. it's not inherently evil. No, it's so neutral. She, it depends on what you're doing with it. Yep. And I and it's a religion and it should be mm-hmm. taken a little, you know, more seriously. I think it's been cast as a joke because it's one of the only real widely known religions of African descendants of Mm -hmm. people here in America that stayed yeah a lot of the a lot of our ancestors when they were brought here not much was able to stay like Mm -hmm. language everything a lot of our culture was lost and voodoo is just one of the rare ones that were kept and Mm -hmm. it was it's passed down to you know through family members I took a voodoo witchcraft and religion class in college and yeah I took a lot of religion classes and that was offered I went to historically black college so big ups to Florida and them it was (laughs) such a such an amazing class Mm -hmm. and it changed the way that I looked at how we talk about that religion mm-hmm. and in, and so many black people don't realize how much of the things that we learn from our grandparents and great grandparents are rooted in voodoo and hoodoo they don't know that they're doing hoodoo yep. they don't know that there's so many different things that we learn growing mm-hmm. up they don't even know why but they are rooted in that yep mm-hmm. so it's, it's very very it's... interesting some of my favorites that my family isn't particularly anti-voodoo or hoodoo because my mom does have roots in New Orleans. And so she's very aware that that's part of our family history. Mm -hmm. I do love the hidden voodoo aspects of a lot of Black culture. So Moselle gives essentially a voodoo protection spell to this woman. And it's kind of inferred that the woman's not necessarily a believer but she does need some type of spiritual guidance so that's why she's taking this advice and hoping it will work we Mm -hmm. never actually do find out if this voodoo you know protection spell works on this woman but she does end up using it and then in the following scene Moselle has a conversation with Eve and it's very much that you know you're a child you won't understand but I'm going to tell you this story and hopefully you take this with you in the future And Moselle tells the story of how her second husband died. I think Anderson's her first husband, Maynard is her second, and then Harry is her third. Mm -hmm. So she tells the story of the day that her husband was shot by her lover, Hosea, which I think is, you know, I I think in the world of the movie, Moselle doesn't know she's a Black widow until after the death of Maynard. And even after she figures out that she's a black widow she doesn't want to accept it no you know because I mean 
you know, Hosea comes to the front door, essentially says, Maynard, I'm taking your wife away. I'm in love with your wife. And Maynard stands up for himself, which I guess, you know, prior to this, Maynard had been kind of a more quiet man, not really like willing to be gruff or anything like that. And he says to Moselle, tell this man, get the hell out of my house. You're not going anywhere. And he's not meaning it to be demanding to her. He's meaning it as I love you. I'm your husband. Mm -hmm. We are committed to each other. I don't care what you've done. I'm not letting you walk out of here with some man, especially in my house. Mm -hmm. And so Moselle, you know, in that moment is like, oh my gosh, I actually do love my husband. I'm staying with my husband. She tells her lover, I'm staying with my husband and her lover shoots her husband. And she just, I think this is one of the first times that Eve's been told a family story like this. You know, she's 10 in the movie. So, you know, we don't usually tell like deeper adult stories to children, but this is one of the first times that she gets told, this is kind of what's happened. Now you're getting to the point where you're old enough to understand or like hear these types of stories and embrace what our family is. And Eve kind of goes along this journey with Moselle and sees this vision with her. And then in the, in the scene following that, Eve says to Moselle, I thought you told my dad that you weren't practicing voodoo. Mm-hmm. And Moselle kind of has to sweep it under the rug and be like, maybe to either hide it from Lewis so that Eve doesn't go back and tell Lewis, which I don't think that would have ever been a thing. But yeah. she says, I don't know if it'll work. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. And that's one of those moments where Eve's like, okay, who do I listen to? Is voodoo okay because Aunt Moselle does it to help people? Or is voodoo not okay because my father, who is someone that I look up to, says it's not? I think if Moselle grew up knowing there's a gift, you know it's passed Mm -hmm. down the line. It's probably a thing she had with her mom. And Louis was like an outsider. And like you said, there's not many males in the family. He maybe grew to resent it. And maybe Mm -hmm. he probably saw some death of you know if this is a continuation maybe their dad died because of it so I think he probably went and said I'm going to do the absolute opposite of this and become a traditional doctor Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I don't want any of this because he's trying to prevent essentially the inevitable yep interesting (laughs) Well, and we see in a scene around this time that dad makes house calls. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so he makes house calls to the elderly and tells them to take their meds. And then he makes house calls Mm -hmm. to those who have other afflictions Mm -hmm. in which he tells Eve, go downstairs and shuts the bedroom door. So he is a man about town. (laughs) that's a great way (laughs) i love that one i i just think it's crazy that his sister didn't put something on him to keep his dick in the pants right and mom shows up crying to aunt moselle's house and they have this this talk so obviously mom knows what's going on Mm -hmm. right they always do sister knows what's going on and no one says shit to him. And then he shows up at home and he was like, you should probably go and come back later. And he's like, well, they're just always mad. Yeah. Like he does not give a shit. He's going to do what he wants. He doesn't care who really knows about it. Yeah. And he's just going to live his life. I mean, so essentially the family is a matriarchy, mm-hmm. but 
because of the time period, it still it still led, and it's probably because of Roz more than anything, led mm-hmm. more of like a patriarchy. And his mom, I think, excuses his behavior. But in that time period, it makes sense. Like, mm-hmm that he gets to kind of be a dick and there's no real consequences. Exactly. There's no consequences for him continually mm-hmm. stepping out on his wife. Yep. Yeah. And it, at this point, it just seems like Roz doesn't really say anything or show anything at this point, not yet at least. So mm-hmm. Moselle and Eve show up to the house and Roz is this is the the part of the movie this one particular like miniature scene that confuses me she's sitting essentially in the sitting room of the house which is like the very front of the house crying yeah Mm -hmm. like she doesn't take this moment to be private about it which is very interesting when you've got her her mother-in-law living with her and also all of her children and her husband she's just crying kind of out in the open instead of in a very private space so that's not to say that she was like asking for attention but it's very interesting because Moselle and Eve walked directly into the house, see Ross crying, and Moselle is like, what happened now? Mm-hmm. Not like, what happened? So it's very common that like Moselle and Ross have conversations about Lewis potentially stepping out or mistakes that Lewis has made. And then following that, we have the scene where Gramir, Moselle, and Ross all sit in a room and talk about the fact that a woman has either called the house or said to Roz out in public, I might be pregnant with your husband's child. And Roz is like, well, I have three of his children and I'm married to him. I have the ring. So I don't know what you're telling me this for. And you never see Roz stand up for herself. No. Mm-mm. Such a frustrating moment in this film. And I don't know what I wanted out of Roz or expected out of Roz because she seems like a kept woman. She seems like she was kind of spoiled in her life because she does talk down about having to live in the bayou at one point during the film she says I left my family and moved here to the bayou essentially say that like it's a little bit beneath her but she's just so complacent yeah Mm -hmm. and I just wanted her to do something even you know a little bit later on in the film she goes to Elzora and kind of says what do I do and Elzora just says kind of look to your children right and Roz just doesn't do anything other than like keep her kids in the house which yeah I mean most parents would do that if they were afraid that something was going to happen to their kids but I just wanted more out of Roz I want so much more out of her but I think it's like it I love that they don't have to go back and tell us her background she very Mm -hmm. much speaks to who who she is Mm -hmm. and where she came from Louis is a cat's meow right yes and if you got an ego like that he was very much on surface of like what it looked like Mm -hmm. he wants to project that everyone liked him and that he was a doctor and all that stuff so what is he going to do he's going to get the prettiest lady probably from the richest family Mm -hmm. and catch her right and Mm -hmm. she was probably very spoiled maybe even a daddy's girl herself Mm -hmm. And she was raised to be a wife and a mother. And that is it. Like, so his philandering, she probably maybe saw it with her dad doing the same thing Mm -hmm. and just didn't think it was her place. While on the flip side, you have Moselle 
who has a totally different personality, but Mm. her gifts open up so much for her. She doesn't have to be in that traditional because she doesn't have kids. You know, like she can be, it's like the other side of the coin. Mm. And so I think you see that parallel with Eve as well, because her sister is very much the dutiful, trying so hard to replicate kind of her, her mom, very much trying to be her mom in, in some not so great ways, while Eve is very much parallel to her aunt. And that's what you get when you get a female writer and director, yes. you get these very fleshed out, different women. Mm-hmm. There's so many different types of women in this movie, instead of it just being kind of like, I'm the girlfriend, I'm the wife, but there's layers. Yes. Mm-hmm. love it oh so after the scene where they find Roz crying her and Moselle go for a walk and that's when they kind of walk in front of a bus and Moselle has a vision Mm -hmm. and she's like I saw a child get hit by a bus so mom's like that's it we're not going anywhere (laughs) y'all in the house Mm -hmm. it it was very much bored in the house in the house bored yeah (laughs) (laughs) And of course, Eve during this time frame is torturing the shit out of her brother. Mm-hmm. He puts she puts that stuffed snake on his pillow while he's just napping and just to torture him. Like that whole scene where he's like, I hate her, I hate her. I wish she was dead. And so, like, the mom's like, What did you do to your brother? And then when Eve is like, and and Cicely's been in the goddamn tub for an hour. I was just like, <laughs> the outburst. <laughs> but, oh my goodness. Oh, what did she say? She's like, there's not that much dirt in Louisiana. Louisiana. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, she and then she just calls out everyone. Yeah. She's like, mama's over here cutting herself. Daddy doesn't get home till late. Yeah. Cicely He's in the tub. He's like, and where's daddy? He's never <laughs> home. He's supposed to be home sometimes. I was like, bitch. Yep. yep. A read, a read all up and down for the whole family. Yep. yep. And her mom just, oh God. That whole, she, and, and, and you kind of wonder like, is it because she's antsy because she's stuck in the house or is she just officially fed up or is it a combination of all the things yeah she just needed a reason to (laughs) expose everybody and she was like this is my reason I now have a reason I'm going to yell about everything if she has the gift and even as a child it's so frustrating when you can see things Mm -hmm. and that's why so many people in psychology net like they, they're going to therapy and they're learning that they weren't the bad person in the family, especially dealing with like narcissists and stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, that they were the truth tellers. And a lot of the times the truth tellers in the family always get the bad rap yep. because everyone has signed some contract that no one's talked about out mm-hmm. loud that we are going to play this game of pretend but yep. then the truth teller is always calling out stuff and sometimes they end up being drug users because it just seeps into their everyday yeah. life which sucks yeah for sure they get the title like the unruly child yes but you know what, what I think is really interesting is I grew up in in Texas and 
Most of my mom's family still lived in New Orleans at the time and in the Louisiana area. So I have a lot of Southern, really, really the deep Southern roots. And it's kind of an unspoken, you know, children see everything. And then we talk about it amongst ourselves. And then when a parent or an adult hears it, they kind of shut it down. But then when the kids get older and we're at family reunions and we're like, do you remember that time that we start this rumor that so-and-so and then somebody goes, what, what did you say? That actually happened. What happened? And you're like, oh, oh, it did happen. Oh, I thought I was, I was lied to this whole time. Mm -hmm. And that's what this feels like for Eve, because after Eve snaps on her mother, Moselle says, I need to talk to you for a minute and takes her into another room. And then immediately shuts down this idea that her father might be cheating on her mother, you know, says very much like, you're too young to understand. At one point she says, if you say it again, I'll slap the taste out of your mouth. Like, classic line. Right. And you're like, but she, it is, she's telling the truth. She's literally yeah. telling you everything that you need to know. And maybe it's not a hundred percent appropriate to like, let her in on adult secrets, but don't pretend like they didn't happen mm-hmm. because at some point you're going to have to fix this either Eve or like you, somebody has to do something yeah. about the fact that her mom is intentionally cutting herself. Her dad is out, out cheating. You know, Cecily is going through some changes going from a young lady to a young adult. And you know, you've got to do something. You can't just like, oh, well, you know, times are changing, but it's fine. They'll fix itself. No. Yeah. yeah I think, I think in that time frame, she's really trying to protect them. She's trying to protect mm-hmm. Roz because she knows she's fragile and on the brink of losing her damn mind. Oh yeah. And then also trying to let Eve still be a child mm-hmm. and not know the darkness that there is but she should recognize this child has a gift anyways and there's not much you can do to protect her from it Mm -hmm. the best way to protect her is to just be honest with her yep tragic Mm -hmm. in the next scene is when moselle is at home and a stranger appears on her porch Mm -hmm. that would that would have like made me piss my pants it's my worst (laughs) nightmare it's raining of of course he's an artist and Mm -hmm. he shows up he's like tell me where my wife is she sees a vision of his wife banging someone else so she's like she's fallen in love with someone else she's not coming back and then the next scene is him painting her and then them making out yep so now julian is her new love Mm -hmm. Wow. If can a man come to my doorstop and I tell him his wife is cheating and we could be together? Like, <laughs> is this better than a dating app? Is mm-hmm. this what's new out in the streets? It's the artist. Oh man. Meanwhile, over at his house, Cicely's gone missing and shows up with a new haircut and style. She went to visit daddy on his house visits and mom's pissed. Mm -hmm. She's like, I am trying to keep y'all safe. And like, Cicely has the audacity (laughs) to sass her mother and be like, yeah, I went out. What Mm -hmm. of it? Like, I I was like the train tracks. Yeah. Okay, little girl. (laughs) (laughs) And then like, I, 
it's again one of the things that I, I I don't know if this is rooted in voodoo or just you know some other form of spirituality but like you don't let other people touch your hair mm-hmm. like that was something that I was always told growing up because somebody might potentially have malice in their heart for you or for your family and as soon as they put your hands in their in your head they could influence your brain or influence your mind mm-hmm. and I, so that's always mind. one of those things where I'm like Sicily, there's a reason why nobody else is allowed to touch your hair, but you went out and decided to get yourself a haircut because you think you're grown and you come back with all this attitude. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> something happened, little girl. Okay. Yep. My mom, when I was little, used to tell me to always be careful about like when I would comb my hair and like the hair that would be in the brush or whatever, yep. not to like throw it away. Like she'd yep. make me like flush it, like be or very careful. To burn it right be mm-hmm. careful like so no one ever had it and I, mm-hmm. I used to be scared about that I have not thought about that in so long and I don't even know if she knows why that like hair is because Nana said probably <laughs> hair is, because I said so hair is such a big thing in mm-hmm. our family and like my grandma was pissed when I went to the hairdresser once and she cut it Cause my hair used to be really, really long at one point. And to this day, I went over to my grandma's and I had, I had some weave in my hair for my birthday, like a ponytail. And it was just like mm-hmm. a lot. And all my grandma could say, cause I grew out my natural hair was like, how long is it now? And I'm like, it's not long lady. It's not long. It's mm-hmm. like shoulder length. And I'm fine with, I keep cutting it. So it's healthy. That's what I care about. And that's all she cares about is mm-hmm. why isn't it long? Mm-hmm. It needs to be long. Yep. My sister bleached her hair. My grandma was mad. Like, it's like our hair doesn't belong to us. And I mm. thought that was just my grandma, but apparently it's yep. a big thing. It is. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It is. I, I got really excited when you were talking because you, I did not remember that. Yep. Girl. Yep. Hello yet again, and welcome to the Insanely Dangerous Retro Pod Show. Size doesn't matter, it's what you do with it. Yes, well, I mean, I'm off now because I've got to go and scream. Absolutely garbage. Paulie Shaw is somebody I don't really give a fuck about. He did kick me off the arse! <laughs> nice, nice argument there. Oh, shut up. Shut up, you Oh, there's a finger. I, I almost urinated. Tune in next week because I just can't stop loving you guys. The Batman jeans. No more Andy Hinchcliffe. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was a, a little nugget in this scene yeah. of like if you have that that cultural history or that family history of other people touching you or how important hair is. Like I know in native American communities, hair is very, very, very important. So it was just a nice little nugget of defiance out of Sicily. And from that point on for the rest of the movie, Sicily is defiant. She's, you know, she talks back. She doesn't want to be around her parents. At one point she decides that she wants to go away. So you're like, okay, where did this come from? Right. Because it can't just be, oh, she's now hormonal because she has her cycle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're, what outside influences were brought into this family, potentially because of this haircut? Mm. Yeah. 
I never, I've seen this movie a lot and never thought about that. So many layers. I just thought Megan Good did such a good job in this role too. Because mm-hmm. I was like, she's the devil. <laughs> when I was little, I was like, yeah, I was like, what is wrong with her? Like, she's sassy to her brother and sister. Mm-hmm. Like, when she yelled at her mom and was like, see, I didn't die. Like, what of it, you crazy lady? Mm-hmm. I don't know how she didn't get her ass beat. I know that. You it was just a slap. Baby. It was one slap. And one Rob's slap. face, after she slapped her, was like, oh, my God, I just hit my child. And I was like, after all the talking back, she just hit <laughs> mm-hmm. All you did was what? that one thing. That's all you did, right? Because me, who mouthwash out with soap would be the bare minimum <laughs> for my mother. I wouldn't live. I'd be dead. Mm-hmm. Here mm-hmm. lies Danielle Clark. She <laughs> <laughs> lived a good life, but she back talked Christine one day. <laughs> because of this kind of outburst from Cicely. Ross starts to reflect on some things. Mm -hmm. And so usually Cicely would stay up till daddy got home. Mm -hmm. And Ross is like, I don't want you doing that anymore. You go to bed. I'm going to wait for your father. Cicely does not like that, but eventually complies. And then daddy gets home. He and Ross get into a huge fight. Mm -hmm. And then come to find out Cicely snuck downstairs to comfort daddy after Roz went to bed Mm -hmm. and that's kind of where the catalyst for the third act takes place and it's being told to Eve by Cicely's perspective at first and it was she went downstairs to comfort daddy climbed into his lap she gave him a kiss just to say I'm glad you're home safe and then he kissed her back Mm -hmm. I did not care for this scene (laughs) I mean it's made to make you feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. but the fact that I did the math based on when the movie came out not when it was made Samuel L. Jackson was 49 years old and Megan Good was 16 Uh, and we talk about this a lot how there are very inappropriate age gaps and underage actresses that are made to have these sexual moments with much older men in particular. And I know for the scene and for the movie, you you want the viewer to feel that way, but knowing in reality, Megan Good had to do this as a, a teen actress was just very unsettling. Yeah. I wonder what the setup and conversation was like. I can imagine Cassie being very, you know, caring about it, but it's still a lot. And Mm -hmm. I know a lot of movies now, they do body doubles and stuff Mm -hmm. like that to help with that. But that scene was so front in your face that it was definitely her. So it was a lot. I also want to speak about the fact that how old is fucking Samuel L. Jackson? Like he was about to be 50 in this movie. How old is he now? 76? Somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Samuel is old. I mean, (laughs) I know Black don't crack, but this is crazy. Right? Because I think Morgan Freeman has been 80 for his whole life. And (laughs) now I'm just like... 
so the first thing I thought was when Jackie was like he was 50 49 I started doing math I was like well, man. <laughs> and, and my question wasn't even like damn Samuel Samuel see it's hard black people love to just call him Samuel Jackson mm-hmm. we don't put the L it's like yep. knit, mushed up together yep but the first thought I had was like well then damn how old is Morgan Freeman that that was the black math that I just did my head <laughs> trying to like go from I backtracked you went the different direction I was like <laughs> okay so Pulp Fiction happened when yeah <laughs> Like, just to throw that out there, I don't know if you guys knew, but Samuel L. Jackson was a pallbearer at the funeral of Martin Luther King. Yeah. So that was one of the moments, like, when I have to remind myself how old he is, I'm like, wait a minute, Martin Luther King died in the 60s, and Samuel L. Jackson was old enough to be a pallbearer. Yeah. That man is old. Yeah. <laughs> that man is old. Yeah. He that's... is 74. Mm. Damn. And now let me do some Morgan Freeman math. Oh God, no. <laughs> It's just going to say dirt. dirt 85. Oh, goodness. So and, he is just, and if we're going to go into black man age, Danny Glover is old. He is old, but tell me why this bitch was out with the paps getting pictures of him with his boo, right? So I was like, oh, is that his wife? Because she had a banging body, right? And I was like, look at these old people just out having fun. But... Google, Google me this. That wasn't his wife. That's how we found out him and his wife were divorcing. And he got a new bae. And this was like his second or third wife. He out on the beach living his best life. And I know he is like, he's 76. Jesus! <laughs> I can't. Mm-mm. How are you Mm-mm. having time to be getting new booze at 76? <laughs> Don't you have a job? Can you go act somewhere, please? Aren't you tired? Right. Don't you just want to like lay on a beach and just be done? Oh man, that over it. We also get a scene with Zell and Julian, mm-hmm. and he tells her he wants to marry her, and she said, "You can't. I'm a black widow. I'm barren and cursed." Mm-hmm. And he said, "You're not barren." you're wounded Mm -hmm. and I need to go find my wife and so she thinks oh he's going back to his wife and he's like no so I can divorce her and marry you instead so he knows even with the risks he wants to be with Moselle and then the next scene is Aunt Moselle's vision comes to fruition a child is hit and killed by a bus we are full on celebrating in the house. Uh-huh. I'm like, hold on, a child is dead, and they're like, "Let's have a barbecue. <laughs> we can go outside again. We're free." And Grandmere's like, "Was it Grandmere that was yes. like, someone's child is dead? Mm-hmm. What are we doing here?" Yep. Yep. <sighs> <laughs> And while they're celebrating, Cicely is not downstairs. So Roz tells Eve, go get Cicely. Cicely has been in her room for days because she got the affliction. <laughs> she, she has, my friends put it, it's shark week for her. Mm-hmm. And so she has gotten her period. Eve is not sympathetic at all and just starts waving period panties around and making fun of her. 
What an asshole. <laughs> What's interesting to me in this scene is that Eve knows already, right? She's mm-hmm. 10 and she's already probably had the conversation with her mom. And yeah. it's not because Cicely already had her period because this is Cicely's first. So you've had this conversation with your child that periods exist. It's It shouldn't be a big stretch to have a little more adult conversations with your child as well, you know? Yeah. And Cicely does not take too kindly to the teasing and it is an all out sister fight. Yes. And if you have a sister, you know, the rage you feel when you are done with their shit. Mm-hmm. And I have vivid memories of my sister was mouthing off to me and we were at my grandparents' house and I full on, you know, that scene in Mean Girls where like they all become animals and one just jumps over a table <laughs> and attacks someone. That is literally what I did. I broke my grandparents' chair. Oh, My mom was so embarrassed, but I was like, this bitch got to die. Like, <laughs> there's no the other the day. She has been on my nerves and like, we would go to my grandparents' house for eight weeks during the summer. So it was a lot of togetherness. Yes. <laughs> and at that one day I, I was just done. Yeah. So I feel the rage that Cicely and Eve have for one another because I've been there. Yeah. And so they are outside just beating the shit out of one another And Cicely is literally on top of Eve choking her prior to Roz and Moselle getting out there to break up the fight. Yeah. And so she said, it's like Cicely went crazy because Mm -hmm. Cicely has not been herself since we come to find out that night that she went downstairs to check on Lewis. Cicely's brought back upstairs and Lewis gets home and he wants to just I I guess just give her a a once over, make sure everything's okay. And she's like, don't touch me. I don't want you around. And I mean, he respects it. He's like, I can find you a woman doctor. No problem. Like, so he does respect that boundary. Just no other boundaries anywhere (laughs) else in this. And then the next day, Eve is just humming to herself walk into the market she steals a pineapple <laughs> ridiculous but like doesn't do it slyly she's literally like how much is this pineapple he says 25 cents she's like that's too expensive and mm-hmm. just takes off oh man yeah. <laughs> yeah. and so she's running with the pineapple but then she approaches the voodoo lady yes and she just starts bad girl bad girl and so stops Eve's and even her tracks the market man is able to come up and reclaim his pineapple and Eve is forever branded as the pineapple thief (laughs) (laughs) oh well Diane Carroll as Elzora in this movie was just so good so and then we get some exposition about how Lee hasn't really slept or eaten in two weeks mom's very worried about her and I guess they have like a psychiatrist come to see her 
And the suggestion is that she needs time away from the family. And so they, they pose it to Cicely. She's like, yeah, absolutely. I want to go to grandma's house. Mm -hmm. And so Lewis and Roz drive Cicely to Roz's mother's house. I'm assuming. I always remembered it that like, she kind of dropped the bomb about the thing with her dad to her Mm -hmm. sister. And then I just always remember that scene of her just driving away in her with her finger. Yep. <sighs> so devilish. Okay, sorry. <laughs> and then like when she does that, yeah, because this is when she tells Eve what actually happened that night and why she's been so different. Mm-hmm. And Eve's like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. Yep. And Cicely doesn't tell her not to, just gets in the car finger to lips like keep our secret I'll never tell that's what it felt like (laughs) and Eve's face when she sees this from her sister like you can tell just by facial expression and body language she is resolute in her decision that she is going to kill her father Mm-hmm. for doing this to Cicely and, and it's unfortunate because she doesn't even know how much power she has yep mm-hmm. that for her to decide this and she starts by asking questions to her aunt Moselle first you know she asks some questions about like can you kill someone with voodoo mm-hmm. and her aunt kind of just like is kind of flippant with her about it and she, mm-hmm. you know like you'd use a doll or whatever. Like she doesn't take too much heed to it, but she does know that she can obviously ask her aunt to help her kill her daddy. So she yep. goes to essentially Moselle's competitor. Mm-hmm. They got beef. They, they do. Beef. They have big beef. Elzora wants Moselle dead. Be- <laughs> literally asks Eve, is it your auntie? Because that would be fabulous. Yeah. And I just love that she takes it seriously. Like she takes this little girl seriously about it. She doesn't give her something fake. Like this bitch is like, okay. Knowing that kids. She had daddy's $20. Right. She stole daddy's money to pay for his own death. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah Elzora's like you got the money we're in business right but she does it okay I will defend Elzora on this she does say are you sure Mm -hmm. very it's a child okay yes but you could argue the same thing about the little mermaid because Ariel was sure that she wanted legs to to date this man and Ursula was like okay are you sure because once you sign your name on the dotted line this is a contractual obligation mm-hmm. are you sure and Ariel was like yep I okay. love him right I, I love him daddy <laughs> yes asking a child are you sure knowing that they're probably having a momentary like it's a mm-hmm. child Ursula was wrong and so was Elzora. I must say it. Like these were literal children. And I love sticking up for a villain. Trust me, listen to any of our episodes. But when it comes to it, it's Elzora, not cool. <laughs> I mean, but do we really feel like it was because of her and the voodoo? Or were it was it the curse in general that was gonna come for him anyways? Well, I think that might be 
the biggest kind of question in the film because if the if we're going with the idea that the curse exists which dust in my shoulder off that was a good little <laughs> one for me but if, if we're going with this idea that the curse exists and El Zora knows about this curse because she does she's mentioned it to to Moselle that yes you are cursed it's part of the family curse El Zora's probably thinking well he's gonna die eventually anyway yeah so this could be me or it could be something else and you know it could also be argued that it's Eve's power and Eve's you know manifestation that she wants her dad dead that actually created his death it's Eve's dad's hair that she got the snake that Eve touched and the manifestation that Eve wanted her dad did so there's three potential killers in this situation it could be Elzora it could be all Elzora could be all Eve or it could all be the curse and I do love that they're not just talking about voodoo but they're playing into some christianity themes by Mm -hmm. her name being eve a snake you know Mm -hmm. and the woman being the demise of the man yep so interesting look at that (laughs) when does she tell mr moreau that's just before she runs into elzora to get the curse because she goes to look for elzora and Lenny Moreau is like, Eve, why are you here? Like, why are you here by yourself? And then she has that little, Maddie can't be a lonely person. My mom can be, though. Like, a little sneaky couple. <laughs> <laughs> and then Lenny's like, you can see his wheels turning. Like, if one plus one equals. <laughs> that doctor's been making a lot of home visits recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How he doesn't know this. I'm gone a lot of the time. Goodness gracious. Yes, it's it's this particular scene where he's like, you know, he's teaching at Xavier New Orleans and, you know, sometimes he sleeps on campus and blah, blah, blah. And then you immediately have to think about how far this is from New Orleans. Because like, New Orleans to Baton Rouge is about like an hour-ish. So if you've mm-hmm. got to be somewhere in that in that realm of time, if he, you know, has a car that probably will take away some time or whatever but if it's a 30 minute drive for you to get from new orleans to your house in the bayou you can't drive 30 minutes to get potentially cheating wife 30 (laughs) minutes just say you don't want to be this with this woman so the combination (laughs) of eve having that conversation with lenny Mm -hmm. and then going to elzora and elzora does say People die at their own speed. Yep. But I'll see what I can do. (laughs) So she she tells her, come back Thursday night. So Eve comes back, aggressively knocks. Mm -hmm. Elzora is about to to kill who was ever at her door at this hour. (laughs) It had that energy. Oh, and prior to this, Eve starts practicing on her sock monkey stuffed animal and is just putting like sewing pins into it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Eve. <laughs> I wonder what age her aunt will find it to be acceptable to start teaching her the craft. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. like, clearly if she has pow- this much power, she shouldn't be by herself with it. Yep. Mm-hmm just winging it yeah well you know the rule of threes is really interesting and it's it's part of this movie again part of my conspiracy theory things but you know 
in, in Eve's immediate family, there's Eve, Poe, Cicely, Roz, and Lewis. Cicely and Lewis are the only ones whose name isn't three letters, mm-hmm. right? That's always kind of one of those things where I'm like, wait a minute. They also have three children. And then when Elzora is talking to Roz, she says, give it three years and then everything will be fine. Rule of threes is always really interesting. When they start mentioning numbers, I'm like, okay, red flags, what's going on? So to your question, it might be three years from now. It might be when Eve turns 13. That's when Moselle starts teaching her the craft and Mm -hmm. that will then change the trajectory of the family, right? Potentially, just saying. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny because either way, if it's Eve doing voodoo that speeds Mm -hmm. us up, or the fact that she literally just told this man that her father was cheating with his wife. She mm-hmm. is the catalyst in both yep. both tracks. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's really Lewis's actions mm-hmm. that caused this to happen in the first place. Yeah. He ultimately dies because of what he has. He's screwed over, mm-hmm. literally. Yeah. A man that he's actually pretty close with, mm-hmm. that he saw as like a brother. Yep. And sleeping with everyone. Like, okay, you're going to sleep with everyone, but like, where are your boundaries at this mm-hmm. point? Right? Yep. <sighs> so Elzora's like, is that you, Pineapple Thief? Come on in. <laughs> is he dead yet? And Eve is like pissed. She's like, you didn't give me a doll. Mm-hmm. Like, you left me hanging. What the fuck's up? And Elzora's just like, oh yeah, I made a wax coffin. It's mm-hmm. buried where all the Batiste are buried and then she does her crazy evil witch laugh as Eve is leaving and it is perfect Mm -hmm. I I think we need more black witches in cinema Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we're definitely seeing a few more in tv but we definitely need more and let's not gloss over how journey has always been a fantastic Mm -hmm. actress Mm -hmm. just looking at this role she's able to keep up with all of these classically trained actors like you know Samuel Jackson as much as we joke and stuff like that and the roles that he has taken he is a classically trained Mm -hmm. actor and Diane Carroll is the first African-American woman to win a Tony Award she Mm -hmm. is the first Black actress to depict like a non-stereotypical role on TV. She played this role called Julia and it was like a huge defining role for Black actresses everywhere, pretty much for Black people because she wasn't playing like the a mammy role. She wasn't mm-hmm. playing, she was sophisticated, smart. She played a, a nurse, I believe in that show. My mom loved that show, by the way. She, so she's up, she is acting with the top of the top. Mm-hmm. and she is keeping up and she is flourishing it's it's mind-blowing when you go back and rewatch it yes. and if you guys haven't seen the tv show that's only one season on hbo that makes me very sad that it got canceled lovecraft country you need to watch that show so good it's so, so amazing good. so fucking good and it yes. hurts me to no end to know that it got canceled mm-hmm. All right, just had to say that because, you know, the scene, this scene between these two is just so good. Yes. After Eve leaves Elzora's house, she goes to King's Bar where she knows daddy's hanging out. He's with Maddie and 
she's literally roaming the streets after dark Mm. and he's just kind of like oh hey eve why are you here yeah like (laughs) maybe i'll take your little narrow butt home it's like two o'clock in the morning (laughs) and so eve's like can we just can we go home can you take me home let's just leave and she is having second thoughts about the whole let's kill daddy situation at this mm-hmm. point i think like after her trip to elzora's house it kind of became real to her mm-hmm. and so he's like yeah i'm finishing my drink we'll head home they walk outside and you see this shadowy figure in a trench coat and hat heading up the railroad tracks towards them and it is lenny he is pissed and he goes into the bar and creates a scene. He's like, you've been fucking my wife. Mm-hmm. And Lewis never really answers, but it was more of a rhetorical question because Lenny just keeps saying like, yeah, I know that you know that I know yeah. that you've been right. fucking my wife. And he's like, if you ever talk to her again, I'll kill you. Very simple rule to follow. Yeah. Don't say shit to her. Lewis thinking he's big and bad and owns the town Uh they are walking away Maddie is walking with Lenny and they're walking in opposite directions of Eve and Lewis Mm -hmm. Lewis turns around and says good night Maddie yep and that was that was it that was it Lenny loses his shit pulls out a gun shoots Lewis Mm -hmm. so then the next scene is lewis's funeral and the family is all gathered around they're saying the lord's prayer sicily is hysterical Mm -hmm. and this is where we see from eve's perspective her first vision right or second vision i mean if you count the dream that i i believe is a vision it's maybe the second one yeah because she looks over she thinks she sees elzora but really it's just a vision of elzora in the cemetery with them and then we get this scene behind me aunt moselle's talking to eve and she tells her your daddy gave me a message to give to you And it's tell Eve, I still owe her that dance. Because at the very beginning, Eve was like, why don't you ever dance with me at the parties? We only dance in private. I would be scared if that was the message. (laughs) Not, I understand, I forgive you, but I still owe you a dance. Like, I would get your ass. Yeah, like, it it gives me creepy vibes. Not, (laughs) oh, daddy, remember it all shut. Right. Well, Sorry, and not it. only remembered, but like has forgiven her for being the catalyst that led to his death. Yeah. It seems. Yeah. She then goes inside. She goes to his office, puts on his hat, is starting to go through his medical kit. And then she opens up, it looks like a ledger book on mm-hmm. his desk. And he finds this letter he wrote to Mazelle because earlier Eve tells Mazelle what Cicely told her about that yes. night. Mazelle says, you tell anyone I'll kill you, but it's apparent from this letter, Mazelle has confronted him about mm-hmm. it. And he's like, it breaks my heart to think that you would ever 
think that I would do that to my child. This is what really happened was she kissed me. And because I was drunk, it took me a couple of seconds to realize what was happening. And then I reacted by slapping her essentially. So now Eve's like, Cicely was lying. Here's the proof goes marching down, talks to Cicely and Cicely's like, I don't know anymore. I don't, I can't remember. I don't know. And so then that's when Eve is like, okay, give me your hands. And she has a vision of what really happened. Realized Cicely was in fact telling the truth is, was my interpretation. Was I incorrect? Well, in that. I think, I think so. But like, it's, I, as much as I've seen this movie, I always end up like, still confused. And they just end by sitting on like the porch, holding each other's hands. So. Well, and I, I think the confirmation for me that it was Cicely's interpretation was the actual event was the fact that they, they put the letter in the lake. And kind of just well that's like a voodoo like I don't like it's a voodoo thing to mm-hmm. either burn well I don't want to I know it's definitely a witchcraft thing too yeah. to, to put yeah. things in water and fire so I'm not really sure why so my interpretation of it is that Sicily was lying, but they put the letter in the lake so that nobody would know the truth and it wouldn't defame mm. the family name. Because you have to keep in mind that like this is Lewis's family's land, right? Mm-hmm. So if he dies, Roz probably isn't on the deed to the house, anything like that. She has no claim to this plot of land, the family money, any of that stuff. She's just the wife. But if you you know, think about in the 60s when your husband dies, you know, even if the wife is not on the lease or anything like that, she's entitled to everything that her husband had, right? But then as soon as you defame the family, everything gets taken away. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think that Cicely was lying and Eve needed to protect her family name because Eve essentially is going to become the one in charge. This is broken and going to be broken for a couple of years mourning the life of her husband. Cecily isn't, you know, necessarily all there anymore. So Eve is going to be the one that takes over. She's going to be the strength of the family at this point. So she has to decide, okay, moving forward, how do I make sure that my family name stays good, make sure that we stay, you know, as a family, that everything is okay. So yeah. she pushes the letter away because the words are going to, you know, fade into the body, but it's very hotly contested. Nobody, you know, really can definitively say what happened. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do believe he was wasted and mm-hmm. this was after Cicely had cut her hair to look yes. very much like her mom's hair. Yes. yes. So I, I don't know if the intent was there, but I think he could have handled it much better. I think mm. there should have been like a conversation. I think he should have told his wife, yes. you know, so much stuff, especially after he started to see how her character changed. Mm-hmm. And it sucks because, you know, I just very distinctly remember that there was just a point in time where my mom had to sit me down and say, it was like growing up, you just knew all the males in your family, everyone 
your uncles, your dad, everyone, they loved you. But then there was just this line in the sand where it's like, everything changes now. You Mm -hmm. have to be a certain way to protect yourself. And that no matter who these people are to you, everyone's a threat, essentially. Mm -hmm. Which is sad that that is what has to happen but it has to happen. Like Mm -hmm. she told me, you can't sit on anyone's lap anymore. Like Mm -hmm. my uncles and stuff like that, having that relationship, I could not do that anymore. And I- Wash your legs, loose pants, long pants. Change your clothes. If someone comes over, put on a bra, like all those things. And I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it. I don't think I understood it fully not with those particular people not like my dad not my uncle you know because I trust them implicitly but I got it I got it eventually and it was mm-hmm. probably when some man was very inappropriate with me at a very young age it said yeah mm-hmm. but they should have had that conversation with her 100 percent. yeah and the movie ends with more narration from adults eve And she says the truth changes color depending on the light Mm -hmm. and that memories change over time. And so this essentially was just her reflection of her 10-year-old experience on Eve's Bayou. And that is Eve's Bayou. (laughs) Well, some fun facts. Cassie Lemons was inspired to write this movie by remembering her childhood trips that she took to Louisiana. She said that I wanted to write a story about people who are likely royalty, who are like royalty in a small town. Louisiana has a unique history in, in the U.S. It was one of the only places where slaves could buy their freedom. And even in the 1700s, there were free people of color who had citizenship because the state was owned by the French. There was a character that got cut. It's like an uncle Yeah, there is a theatrical cut and a director's cut, and the director's cut includes that character that was deleted. He he was in a wheelchair, and I think she thought it was important to have him in there because he was based on a real uncle she had and was a really important person who witnessed, he was going to be like a witness to the situation, Mm -hmm. but she was told, like she had to cut him. So that's unfortunate. Also, Megan Good was originally set to play Eve, but by the time the financing came together for the movie, Good had already grown out of the role and was then, you know, cast as Sicily, which I thought was interesting. So Mm -hmm. this was a labor of love. This was a directorial debut of Cassie. So she worked really hard to get the financing for this movie. In 2018, it was selected by the Library of Congress. I am a card-carrying member of the Library of Congress for preservation in the National Film Registry for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And in February 2008, Eve's Bayou made Time's list of the 25 most important films on race. The character of Moselle was partially based on Cassie Lemon's eccentric Aunt Muriel, who had also lost several husbands under mysterious circumstances practiced divination and voodoo and was told by another conjure woman that she was cursed as a black widow so that is interesting and lynn whitfield is actually from 
Baton Rouge and has deep roots in Black Southern aristocracy. On February 16, 2009, Debbie Morgan's portrayal of Moselle Batiste Delacroix was included in Pop Matters 100 Essential Female Film Performance List. And in 2012, Journey Smollett's role as Eve Batiste was included in Essence's 25 Best Roles for Black Actresses list. And lastly, it appeared on Entertainment Weekly's list of the 50 best movies you've never seen in the 2012 issue. Well, before we get into our ratings, Anjali, why don't you tell everyone how they can find you on social? Oh, so you can follow me on TikTok, TikTok or Instagram at Anjali Desiree. I am very active on both platforms and I do answer most of my comments so if you have a comment if you watch if you listen to the podcast and you come to my tiktok based on the podcast please let me know that where you found me i do love to interact with people and as always you can find us on instagram facebook tiktok twitter and youtube at no more late fees and so anjali i'm going to start with you with your present day rating for this Um, movie my present day rating rent to own would be mine like I I love this movie so much and you know it's available on a couple streaming services but this is one of those movies that like I want a physical copy yeah I want to be able to touch it and to know that it will never go away because with streaming services things go away sometimes and I want to always be able to have a copy of this movie and continue to do deep dives on it this will never be a movie that I just stop watching this is a movie that I always want to watch and learn more and do more and interact with more yes Jackie I'm gonna go five day it was very enjoyable very intriguing and because it can be interpreted so many different ways I think you would be doing yourself a disservice to only watch it once Mm -hmm. and I'd be interested in finding the director's cut Mm -hmm. to see how that changes the narrative of the story and what was intended by Cassie originally in her story I also have already text messaged my mom I'm like I watched this you need to watch it you're gonna love it so I've already recommended it to people (laughs) for me it would be it would buy it like now that I'm older and I understand it and now learning about black spirituality and culture and certain religions and all that stuff and tapping into that a little bit more and just having a greater appreciation for it telling our stories in a different way. Mm -hmm. I definitely would buy it. And I appreciate it for that because obviously like I, I like to learn about other cultures, things I haven't been exposed to in my life. So like this conversation was fascinating about like your elders passing down these things and they don't even know why they do them, but it's all rooted in some sort of voodoo or hoodoo and they're not even recognizing that. So that was, I think it's really important to understand where other people come from. And so watching this movie is very enlightening for me because I haven't had that experience before. So, well, if you guys have any questions or want to tell us we're wrong about our, we had a lot of theories, (laughs) we had a lot of theories on this episode. 
you should definitely hit us up on our quick drop at 909-601-6653. That's 909-601-NMLF. Or you can, as Jackie would say, twat us on the Twitter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or leave us a voicemail on Anchor, our Anchor FM page if you're international and can't call the number. And we'd love to just hear your feedback. And if you want to suggest future movies that you'd like us to do, give a correction, any of your favorite video store memories or just moment, favorite moments, you could be featured on a future episode. And join us next week as we bro out with the stoner sci-fi comedy, Dude, Where's My Car? Sweet. (laughs) What does mine say? Dude. (laughs) But what does mine say? Sweet. (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) And as always, be kind and rewind.